Joining us now, someone who covered Coach Bobby Knight over many years, knew him quite well, CNN mm -hmm. contributor Bob Costas. Besides the fact that the most important element of his bio is that he's an Ohio State grad, which I think we can all acknowledge. Right. Played on national um, championship team there with yes. John Havlicek and Jerry Lucas, yeah. who were in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We were talking about that during the break. There you go. We, we were talking, the idea of how he treated people, uh, kind of his temper, the short yeah. views, all of that, and yet you talk to players who were on the 84 team, mm -hmm. the Olympic team, or some of his national championship teams, and their dedication to him or their appreciation for him is... Without limit. There, there are some, not a majority or even close to it, there are some who eventually had had enough, yeah. including some of his past assistant coaches like Dan Dockich, uh, who were estranged from him and they never reconciled. But the vast majority of those associated with him eventually were able to put all the seemingly unnecessary flaws and excesses in context, not just with his brilliance as a coach, but with the fact that he drove most of them to be better players, he did insist that they go to class. There was never a hint of a recruiting violation. Mm -hmm. There was a certain internal gruff integrity to what he did. And he also did many, many charitable things for which he never sought any public attention. The one that did come to public attention was that Landon Turner, who was part of his 1981 championship team, shortly after that would have played in the NBA paralyzed in an automobile accident, and uh, Bob Knight called Red Auerbach, who ran the Boston Celtics, and said, toward the end of the draft, draft him, which he did, just touching. Uh, you know, I, I, this comes to mind. I interviewed Bob Knight in 19... I interviewed him many times, but the, the clip of him at Assembly Hall, my critics can kiss my hindquarters, right? That came from <laughs> that, that, came from that piece. Um, and in that piece, and I don't even know if it made the cut, Hank Iba was a legendary coach in the 40s and 50s. The game had passed him by, and he was the coach of the 72 Olympic team that was robbed of the gold medal in some kind of crazy series of events against the Soviet Union in 72, and had Iba coached a different strategy, they would have won the game. He brought Hank Iba to be an assistant in 1984 on the Olympic team in Los, in Los Angeles. Mo Iba, Hank's son, told me that it extended his dad's life by five or six years because it gave him a purpose. Okay, so I bring this up to Bob Knight. He almost wept. He, he, I could see the tears in his eyes, and he was choking back the emotion. That mattered to him. You know, he, he lived in his, own, in his own world. It was kind of a 1950s world. He didn't understand political correctness, and he thought that his coarseness and his hard-driving approach would make better men out of those in his charge. Um, it, it wouldn't fly today. Uh, he was a very complicated person, and you could, not, you could not excuse or even rationalize his excesses, but he had many, many admirable traits. And that's why you say, Bob, he stood for a lot of good things, too. He did. He did stand for a lot of good things. Um, as John Feinstein, who wrote the book A Season on the Brink, spent an entire season with Knight, uh, described it today in the Washington Post, he was almost a Shakespearean character with enormous virtues and strengths and enormous conspicuous self-sabotaging at times flaws. Top five best sports books of all time. Um, yeah. You had a good relationship I did. with him. You're a reporter. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? I, I, th I think some people initially vouched for me, some people close to him. But I was able to ask him every tough question. It's knocking around on YouTube, the piece I did 30 years ago, 
uh, on NBC with him, and people can see. I asked him every pertinent and tough question, and he pushed back on a lot of it. But I think he felt if you were prepared, um, that he would respect that. If you were honest and straightforward, mm -hmm. he would respect that. Uh, at one point, this was on HBO about 20 years ago, uh, he had left Indiana under controversial circumstances, and he held a grudge for a very, very long time. Wouldn't come back for reunions of his championship teams, and finally did come back a few years ago when he was already in the throes of dementia, and it was kind of yeah. a, a poignant scene at Assembly Hall as he waved, and you weren't quite sure how much of it he was really absorbing. But when he left Indiana, one of his assistants, Mike Davis, uh, succeeded him and got a team to the Final Four. So on HBO, I asked him, and I think we've got the clip of this, I asked him, can you reconcile with him? Can you shake his hand? And here's how it went. I think a lot of people would, would feel good if you and Mike Davis shook hands someplace and wished each other well. Maybe sometime that'll happen. You don't rule it out? No, I don't, I don't rule anything out. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't even rule out coming back on your show. <laughs> <laughs> he, could, he could be really funny. He could be really endearing. And now I just realized something. This is a different gray suit and a different black shirt. I haven't had the same but ones in a closet for 20 same, years. Bob. You look identical. Um, and you're definitely planned wearing the same, the same clothes. Yeah, I thought continuity was important. <laughs> How do you think he'll be? You remember the, the New York Daily News says, hard to love but impossible to forget. What's the legacy of Bob? I think that part is probably true in large part, certainly impossible to forget. 